mothers. Happy Mother's Day. I'd like to read for all the women a couple of select verses from Proverbs 31. And it says, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will be greatly enriched his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Here's one. She gets up early before dawn, prepares breakfast for her household, and plans the day's work for her servant girls. Uh, Have you all found your servant girls? (laughs) Kathy's still looking for hers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Where are those girls? All right. She's energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Ladies, say amen. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter, for everyone has warm clothes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise. She gives instruction with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and doesn't suffer from laziness. Here's the best part. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. Charm is deceptive. Beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. The Ten Commandments. In the middle of the Ten Commandments, there's a whole bunch about God and keeping the Sabbath and don't have any other gods before me. And then there's a whole bunch of other ones at the tail end about don't kill, don't steal, don't cheat, don't covet. In the middle, here's this one. Honor your mother and father, but honor your mother. And it's the only commandment that has a promise. It's the only commandment that has a promise. Honor your father and mother, honor your mother, so you may live long in the land that the Lord has given you. If you have a happy home and you're treating your parents with respect, God says, I'm going to give you a little extra life. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? But all the women from 18, all the women, 18 and up, please stand up. Would you stretch out your hand if you're near your wife or your mom or a friend? Just touch them. Lord, we pray. We pray for these women who fear the Lord and they will be greatly praised. We thank you. We lift them up. Lord, it's not an easy task in any generation to be a woman. But a woman of God is to be praised and lifted up. So, Lord, we thank you for these women that are part of our lives. We thank you for the input in our lives. We thank you for the the mentoring that they do to complete strangers and how they help the needy. Lord, these are beautiful, blessed women. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And by the way, all this applause is for all of you women. Men, boys, girls. Come on. Come on. There it is. You may not know that. Mom spell upside down spells. There it is. <laughs> Did I get some points with that? All right. Cool. Thank you. What <laughs> point? We've been talking about Ephesians. 
Ephesians first starts out who we are, who, who, what we're needing, and who we are in Christ. Then it goes what we, what we are today, and then it talks about today. We're going to talk about where we need to be. Last week, Pastor Dan stopped with Ephesians 2.10, and it says, For we are his workmanship. Some of the versions and translations of the Bible say handiwork or masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not our own plans, not our own works, but in the plans of God. But we are his workmanship. Do you realize that you are a masterpiece? Genesis 1.27 reminds us that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, and he created them. We are in his image. We are his handiwork. We are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. Used to be a thing when I was growing up, God don't make no junk. And he doesn't. You are not a piece of junk. You're not a mistake. No matter how you got here, you're not a mistake. God does not make any junk. There's a reason for all of us. There's an evangelist with no arms, no legs. I don't know if you've seen him on the TV stations. He's only about this tall, no arms, no legs, goes around the world, preaches the gospel, somehow stands on a table about this high and preaches like you won't believe. And if you looked at him in the natural, you've seen him? Yeah. What's the guy's name, you know? Huh? That name. <laughs> but the guy has no arms, no legs. Society would have said, absolutely, you're not a masterpiece. You're, you're junk. God says, there ain't no junk. There is no junk. There is no junk. There is no junk. I often say I have no scripture basis for this. That if God has a refrigerator, you ever go to somebody's house and they always got pictured the kids and the grandkids on the refrigerator? I just like to believe that God has a really big refrigerator and every single one of our pictures are on it. And all the believers have gone before. And when someone comes by, he says, Ah, there's my boy Pete. There's Adelie. There's Dewey. There's Kent. They're my kids. Look, look how, dude, I'm so proud of my kids. Look how they're doing. God made us. God made us and he just loves us. I don't know about the refrigerator, but that's what I believe. Lord, thank you. We just, everything that's said and done, the next few minutes, let it all be from you. May it speak to our hearts. May it change lives. May it do whatever you want it to do. And Lord, we're just so thankful to be in your house, one of your kids, and that we're a masterpiece, and you don't make no junk. Thank you. If you're going to meet somebody, say someone calls and you have stuff in meeting and you want to meet them, and you're going to meet wherever, and they say, well, describe yourself, describe yourself over the phone when we meet so I can know who you are. And I don't know what you say, but I always say I'm six foot four, I have dark hair, I have a cleft in my chin, and I'm wearing really nice clothes. No, I, I try to tell them, you know, blonde, spiky hair and about 160 pounds. Ushers, could you uh, take this, this red-headed lady out of here? What in the world? Shh. Okay, we're done. We'll beat the Baptist to the restaurant. 
<laughs> we're out of here. Go. Okay. Now, if you were to meet a modern-day Jesus with his shirt out of his pants, Ray, you're going to hate this, but his shirt out of his pants, jeans, and a sports jacket, and you're going to meet him for a face-to-face meeting, first face-to-face meeting, how would you describe yourself to Jesus that you're going to meet in about 10 minutes? Nervous? <laughs> Hopefully he's not keeping records and, of things in the past. We're his masterpiece. He doesn't make any mistakes. He loves us just the way we are. We don't have to be anything different. God thinks you're a masterpiece. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. When an artist paints a really good picture, paints a masterpiece, what's the last thing he does? Signs it. He signs his name to you, Greg. He signs your name to you, Dave. Signs your name to you, Sandy. My masterpiece. The one and only. Boom. Jesus. You're the only one there is. You're the original article. There's nobody like you. We're all snowflakes. They say none of them are alike. But you're a masterpiece. God created you for such a time as this. God, don't make no junk. First Samuel 16, 17, 16, 7. For the Lord does not see man as man sees, for the man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks what? At the heart. Psalms 139, 14 says, I will praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? Amen. Amen. I always feel like I'm leading the cheer. All right, we've been in Ephesians, and we've got a couple more verses to talk about today. I just want to do a little history. My background's in education, so I'm going to say, why in the world did Paul write a letter to Ephesus, to, to the Ephesians? Why did he do that? And then that, we've had this for all these years. Ephesus was kind of like Seattle. It was a big city. It was in Asia Minor, which is Turkey. Anybody know that? Oh, you're smarter than I thought. It had a harbor. It had mountains. It had roads going in and out of it. It was a world trading center. It was a melting pot of, of every uh, uh, race, nationality, creed, and spirituality. Not spiritualness, but spirituality. All kinds of influences. New Age, Jewish, this, that. Just like Seattle. A melting pot. And so that was Ephesus. So Paul, the reason Paul wrote Ephesians is that he had gone to Ephesus a couple of years before. And so you've got to just drop back to Acts 19. I'll, keep, I'll make it short so you see some of you starting to nod off. What, what Paul went to Ephesus, and while he was there, he found some believers. And we had all this hodgepodge of different kinds of folks there. But he found some believers, and when he found them, he said, Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. And he said, what baptism do you have? And he said, we were baptized by John. Later, Paul baptizes these believers. They weren't Jewish folks. They were folks that had heard about the gospel, were saved, and knew the gospel. And so he baptizes them. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They speak in tongues. They prophesy, and they start spreading the gospel, and they start having revival all through Ephesus. 
But Paul, and what I'm getting to, what I'm getting to, is Paul then went to the synagogues and said, and he preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God in the synagogue. If you've ever had an argument with someone of the Jewish faith, you know you better come armed and ready to go because they love to debate and they love to talk. And so this is what Paul was doing. He's a former Jew, that he was debating strongly with the people in the temple about that Jesus is really the risen Savior. He is who he says he is. He is the Messiah, and we don't have to wait. Okay? So he's doing that. And then he had great big meetings. They'd say there's stadiums that hold 25,000. And, and theaters would hold thousands that Paul would spread, and the gospel spread for two, three years, okay? End of story. Now, why does Paul write Ephesians 2, 11 through 15? And here's the scripture. And Paul is writing to primarily the Gentiles. And he says, don't forget, you Gentiles used to be outsiders, You were called the uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it afflicted only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises of God. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away, say far away, but now you've been brought near, say near. Through the blood of Jesus. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. In his own body on the cross broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law and the commandments and regulations. And he made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles. Recreating himself one new people from two groups. Okay. What this is saying is remember... He's saying right at the beginning, he said, do you remember when you were outsiders? Remember when the Jews would call you, you uncircumcised heathens? Wow, try saying that to somebody in today's world. All the names we call each other, you uncircumcised heathen? heathen? Just try it at McDonald's later. But we need to remember to look back at our past. Sometimes as Christians... We forget that we have a testimony. We've gotten so churchized, Christianized, that sometimes we forget our our testimony. We don't want anybody to know what a wretched sinner we were. We don't want anybody to know all the crazy stuff we did before Jesus came into our lives. And we forget our testimony. When I was growing up in the church, Sunday night we'd have a testimony service. Someone would get up and, well, the Lord's been good to me and he saved me from this and I'm not drinking anymore. And, you know, we'd have these testimony and people would applaud because it would encourage the folks. Always have your testimony ready because you just never know when it's going to bless somebody. That was for free. We get so wrapped up. We get so wrapped up with the present, all of us. We got so much stuff going on in our mind and the future. We have the overwhelming fear of the future. Where are we going to live? How are we going to retire? Where am I going to go to school? Who am I going to marry? All that stuff. Then we have all the present day stuff. And we just get wound up with that. And we tend to just kind of vibrate and move and forget to do the next thing. It is good to look back. We all have some stuff that we don't want to remember anymore. And it's been forgiven and forgotten, right? 
but we also have some amazing memories and fondness of what also went well in our lives. We're pretty basic here at Life Spring. We talk about sin. We talk about salvation. We talk about how Jesus wipes out all our sin, provides us salvation, provides us eternal life. And then when we get tired, it's like what's on your shampoo bottle, repeat the process. Sin, salvation, Jesus. Sin, salvation, Jesus. I like to throw in faith and some other things, but that's just me. This verse reminds us it's so important to be near to God and close to other believers. But Paul is saying, look, church, we got some Christian Jews, we got Jews that have been converted, we got Gentiles that don't know anything about that are converted also, and they're calling each other names. They're yelling, you blankety-blank Jew, and you blankety-blank uncircumcised heathen. These are Christians talking to each other that way. Many churches and denominations, not here, but other places, many churches and denominations build walls so they have people that look like them, act like them, talk like them, worship like them, believe like them. And if they don't, we kind of go, well, they're a little bit different, you know, and I'm not sure about them. And as believers, we don't think of ourselves as being like those born-again Jews and and the born-again heathens. We don't think that we are racist or bigots. Yet when you see a certain person, whether they be a homeless person, someone of a different race, Tall, short. I know some of you would just wonder if Democrats can be people that love God, and there's some of you Democrats who wonder if Republicans can love God. So we have all this stuff smokers, non smokers, the working, the homeless. We wind up having these little things. And what if all of these people were born again Christians just like you? But we're putting up these walls and we're putting up these barriers and we're making judgments on somebody just based on how tall they are, what, what party they're, they're part of. And Paul is trying to encourage the church. We're all believers. We're all believers because of Jesus Christ. We're all believers because of Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.13. And read this with a full voice with me. Help me out. Is it up there? Nope. Well, then we'll wait for it. Hey, Colossians 3.13, full voice. (laughs) Oh, well, (laughs) I'll read it. (laughs) I'll read it. Yeah. Okay, repeat after me like a wedding ceremony. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone. Who offends you? you. Remember, Remember, the Lord forgave you, you. so you must forgive others. others. Let's do it again. Make allowance for each other's faults, faults and forgive anyone anyone. 
who offends you, remember the Lord forgave you, so you've got to forgive others. I get a kick. If you, we don't have phone books anymore unless you're over 55. <laughs> seriously. Seriously. And for those who are under 55, it's all in your phone or an iPad or something like that. However, if you looked up in Pierce County, looked up churches and looked up denominations, and you look up, and I'm talking about how we're divided even among denominations, you look up, for example, Baptists. There's American Baptists, there's Southern Baptists, there's Conservative Baptists, there's Evangelical Baptists, same with all the other denominations. There's divisions, United Methodists, First Free, and all these different things, and we've separated each other from each other, and we're on the same team, and we love the same Jesus, but yet somewhere in the process we separated ourselves between the knowledge of Jesus Christ, His blood, that's the most important part. Jesus Himself hated religion. He hated religion, but he loved relationship with his people. And we got all these divisions. Do you know that there's a major Pentecostal denomination? Do you know that we're Pentecostal, four squares Pentecostal? Don't run out the door. (laughs) But we are. But when this major denomination started in the United States in the late 1800s, it was good, and they, f- they found the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they went, and all of a sudden they started growing and growing. At the same time, there was a whole bunch of black, um, primarily Methodist pastors that got together, and they also found out about the, the Holy Spirit and the Pentecostal movement, and they started. So they started to join up with this other group, this other denomination. But this is in the early 1900s, kind of leftover feelings from the Civil War. These two groups, even though they believed the same thing, <laughs> the same Jesus, could not get along, would call each other names, would not tolerate each other. And so they would separate. And what happened is this major denomination, which was primarily white, it's not now, but it was then, primarily white, and over here was another group of Pentecostal, born-again, spirit-filled Christians with the blood of Jesus and salvation and the promise of eternal life. Because they couldn't get along, we had another church. And I'm not mentioning names because I don't think it's necessary. Same, same gospel, same Jesus, and we do that all the time ourselves. You know, we, we don't quite line up with somebody else, and so we, we make a checklist. This denomination, Foursquare, do you know that Mary, Amy Simple McPherson started the Foursquare denomination, but the reason she started it, because of the same reason. She wanted to be a preacher. She had been an evangelist. She wanted to be a preacher. This is the 1920s. Barely the woman's right to vote had come in, and so the whole DNA and culture as far as what, what, what was permissible. So she goes to this, the same major <laughs> Pentecostal denomination and says, look, I want to be a preacher. I want to be ordained. And it just wasn't, that, that didn't even register. It's just, no, I'm, I'm sorry, can't do it. So she prayed about it and got some leadership behind her. And now we have the four square denomination. You take all three of those guys, boom, 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 put up what they believe, how they believe, and why they believe, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and boom, it templates over every single one, every single major point. It's the same thing. We got over here, we got over here, we got over here, and we got the same Jesus. 
Paul is encouraging the folks in Ephesus. Come on, we're better than that. We're all part of the same team. We're part of the same body. You got Philippians 4.8 there? Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We're all part of God's team. We're all part of God's heart. We're all part of God's church. We're all part of his body. Oh. We must make God shake his head sometimes. <laughs> but we make him smile too. Ephesians 2.11. This is Paul writing primarily at this point to the Gentiles. And he said, remember, don't forget, you Gentiles used to be outsiders You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies, not their hearts. Jewish babies, at seven or eight days, if you were male, you had circumcision. And that was kind of an outward sign that you were part of the children of God, the children of Israel. And if you weren't, it was obvious that you weren't. And And all of a sudden they're yelling across the aisle to their Christian brothers, you uncircumcised heathens in the church. Circumcision back in the day, and maybe today too, is just an outward sign. But really what God is wanting to do is cut the sin away from our heart. It has nothing to do about our physical bodies. It has to do about our heart and our attitude and our belief. Ephesians 2.12 goes on to say, he said, Paul writes, he says, In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel. Which means you guys had no idea about all the rules and the regulations that came down from Mosaic law. You had no idea about anything that had to do with commandments and all of that. Well, think back when you, you were in the world. Did you know anything about the church? Did you know anything about the promises of God before Jesus? You're living in the world. You're out there alone. It goes on to say, you did not know the covenant promises. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Boy, thank goodness we're not the people we used to be. Thank goodness Jesus came into our heart. Thank goodness you had a praying mom or somebody on TV or someone invited you to a meeting. Somehow Jesus came into your heart and made you real. And you're not the same person you used to be. And when you were without hope and didn't have any future and life didn't make any sense to you, and you knew nothing about church, Jesus came to you and was alive and real and made a difference. I was, uh, I've been uh, doing as a um, chaplain for Pierce County uh, Police and Fire. So a couple of weeks ago, real quick, I went on my first call. I spent 24 hours with the fire department up here in Edgewood. So I rode along with them. I slept with them. I cooked with them. I did their dishes. You know, and talking to these people. And before I went, I said, God, I have no idea what we're doing here, but just let me be, let me be, a, be of help to these people. Let me minister. And so um, and that, there were some amazing things. But the quick one I'm going to tell you is we're at this meeting, and all of a sudden we get the, they call it the tone, boom, boom. And all of a sudden 
the two paramedics I'm with, they get up and leave, and, they, and there's another group at this meeting from another fire department. They get up and leave. I jump in the back of the aid car. All of a sudden, the lights are flashing. Woo, woo, woo. The lights are flashing, and we're going on. There was some gal about 38 years old who's going to have, thought she was having a heart attack. Turned out it was stress. But anyway, we're jumping in there. I'm like a kid in a candy store. Whoa, man. Like, I look through the back window, and here's the other rig coming with the lights going and the flashing and whatnot. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is cool. We're going on a call. <laughs> All of a sudden, the par- one of the paramedics turns around through the little space in the back, in the front, and he says, uh, so, says, um, and the lights are going, he says, what's the difference between a priest and a, and a preacher? <laughs> I go, really? I'm in my first fire truck and the lights are going. Come back later. <laughs> and he says, no, really, what's the difference between a priest? What's all? I said, okay, Lord, here we go. And so I said, well, I said, there's a lot of organized religions and there's there's churches that are real orthodox in the way they do things and uh, they have rules and regulations and that they have priests. The priests also preach, but they also are the intermediary. So if, if, if you would commit a sin, uh, you would go to the priest and then ask for forgiveness and then the, the forgiveness would go through the priest up to God. It says the other way, is with preachers, we believe. I had like three minutes explaining the whole thing. <laughs> and so I said, and so there's a, there's a real God, there's a real Jesus. His son died on the cross. And because he died on the cross, we get to have eternal life if we believe in him. Ooh, 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 ooh. And I said, so, so, so because Jesus did that, we can go directly to the Father. Because of what Jesus did, we can go directly to the Father. And he said, that's, he said, and, and that's, you know, basic it. And he said, oh, wow. And he said, I was raised in Czechoslovakia. We were raised under communist domination. We didn't, I, I didn't even know anything about God. I still don't know much. And he said, then I married a gal from Turkey who's a Muslim. I said, well, your holidays must be all messed up. <laughs> he said, What? So all of a sudden we get out of the aid car where he's running with the stuff and I'm just going along to observe. And as he's walking along, he goes, he stops. He says, thank you. He says, you are the first person ever to explain that. He says, that's the first person to explain a little bit about God, a little about Jesus. He didn't say that, but that's what he was meaning. He said, you're the first person that's ever done that. Thank you so much. Then we went into the call. <laughs> so cool, <laughs> huh? You know, I didn't, I didn't have a clothing uh, thing on him. We didn't have time. We were just running all day. But it, wasn't that something? Just God opens up the door, lights flashing. You just never know when people are going to go. Now, why in the world do you smile the way you do? Why, why? What's the matter with you? You just smashed your hand in a tool, and you didn't swear once. Jesus is alive in me. Jesus is alive in you. You are his masterpiece. So cool. So cool. Ephesians 2.13. So still, Paul is still writing to the Gentiles. And he goes, but now you have been united with Christ. He said, look, you got the Jews, you got the Gentiles. We're all born again. He says, once you were far away from God, say, I was once far away. And I've been brought near. Through 
The blood. There you go. Isn't that cool? Near, far. Near, far. So my little strange mind is that these Gentiles are sitting in church or they're sitting at the first generation Starbucks and they get a copy of this letter and Paul is writing all this stuff about inside, outside, uncircumcised, uh, uh, we're now part of the same deal, we were far away, now we're near. My thought was that they probably just kind of scratched their head like, like Tim Allen, the old home improvement. <laughs> Trying to figure out far or near. I got a friend named Grover, and maybe this little video will give a little explanation as far as what being far away from God and near to God is all about. Welcome, my friend, Grover. Okay, this is near. And this is far. just for my benefit, but you seem to enjoy it too. <laughs> Actually, I remember that from 35 years ago when I came to this near, far, near, far. How do I explain that? And stuff that's still in there. I said, there was a thing about Sesame Street and near and far. Then the internet has everything and there it was. So crazy. All right. All the religions, all the religions, you got to do something. You got to earn your way in. You got to knock on doors. You got to pray six times to the east. You got to do this and that. And Christianity, instead of having all these rules and regulations, Christianity, man's way of reaching to God is reaching up and doing stuff. Christianity, praise God, is God reaching down through us through Jesus and his blood and his forgiveness and bringing us all together in one accord. We have been claimed by God, adopted into his family. We're part of the new family, which is huge. Every color, every race, every tribe. And we're the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. No divisions. The topic of this thing was tearing down the walls. Don't have those walls against anybody. Love them with the love of Christ. And with Jesus as the cornerstone of the deal what an amazing, what an amazing journey. What amazing life that we have because of Jesus. He loves you so much. God loves each of you so much. And he has a plan and a hope and a future for you. No walls, no division. April 12th of this year, a very good, very good friend passed away after 85 years. 
He was a man that loved God, loved family. Did you put up that first picture? How many do not know who these people are? At least half of you. This man lives, lived eight miles down the road. He's uh, Frosty Westerine and his lovely wife in 62 years, Donna Bell. He was the head coach of PLU for the last 32 years. Well, stopped in uh, 2003. Frosty was an amazing guy. He licked that smile. Five kids, born-again Christian, ran his whole football play team program. Most are based on anger and intimidation and hit the other guy, knock the other guy out, blood, guts, boom. His is all about loving, caring, showing Jesus, and having fun and singing songs. Isn't that good? That's my favorite picture. I'm going to blow that thing up and put it on my wall because I love that man. 32 years at PLU, never had a losing season. But it's not about football. And he would tell you never about football. It's about loving. It's about showing Jesus. With Frosty, the, he would stop practice in the middle of practice at PLU. They look right out at Mount Rainier. He'd stop practice, he'd come over here, everybody sit down, take five minutes, look at Mount Rainier. And you just look at that. God made that for you. God blessed you with that mountain. Take five minutes and thank God and pray to God for five minutes and just tell him how grateful you are that he's in your life and how much he means to you. And so all these players, okay, and they sat down. They'd look at that mountain. They would do that. He would tell players to go to the other fields during practice. Just, and he says, go over to the soccer team. Go over to the field hockey team. Go over to the baseball team. We stop in practice. You go cheer for those other guys like crazy. Just root them off. He would stop two-a-day practices in August and tell them all, stop right now. You go find every freshman that you can find and help them move into the dorm. Get them acquainted. Walk them around the campus and buy them lunch. I just love that spirit. He'd buy popsicles for the team. He'd come out with a big freezer with dry ice, plop them down and give them popsicles during practice. What I'm, not ta- what I'm talking about is just that attitude of Jesus, of just loving, no matter who you're in contact. No walls, no barriers, just loving. He had an amazing, he had very few rules. One of his rules Oh, I love that picture, too. Um, he had one rule, and that was knock your opponent down. Mean it like crazy. But if you knock your opponent down, you're the first one to pick him up. And any time you went to a PLU game, every single play, knock him down. Pick him up. Welcome him back up. Slap him in the rear end. <laughs> and he says... You don't have the honor and privilege of being on a football team unless you have a worthy opponent. So we have opponents in life. We have opponents in life. But we're not there to beat them up. We're there to lift. Lift them up. To lift them up. To lift them up. Final thing. 
But it's not about Frosty. It's about Jesus. If he was right here, he said, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. That's why I ran my life. Jesus first. Family second. Everything else third. He says, every day, you've got to score a touchdown. You go, what? How many of you know what a put-down is? You know how to put down your family members? You know how to put down the people at work? You know, we, we're really good at doing those put-down things. Frosty's attitude was he got, had one team that was doing that all the time, tearing into each other and putting down. And finally, he says, you've got to score a touchdown every single day. And he says, what's that? is you've got to have score six put-ups more than you do put-downs in a day. So that you're, you're telling, the, telling your wife, telling your kids, telling your neighbor how much you appreciate them, telling people at work that you're doing a put-up, and you've got to have six more put-ups than you had put-downs in the day. Imagine what that day would look like, and then do that every day just because of Jesus in us. I love Frosty. I miss him. But he had Jesus in his heart, in his life. That was the centerpiece. Uh, I told him one time, I said, Frosty, I want to be just like you. And he said, no, you don't want to be me. He said, but you're a pretty good you, so do that. You're pretty good at what you're doing. And I'd say the same thing to that. You're really good at what you're doing. You're a good you. You're a masterpiece of God. You're a masterpiece of God. I'm looking at all your eyes. You're a masterpiece. I know most of you. You're a masterpiece. And then Frosty, big thing, one of his books was just make the big time where you are. That's just the thing. Make the big time, wherever you're doing, wherever you're doing. Lift people up. Encourage people. Don't put walls in between each other. Fall in love with Jesus. Let there be no separation or walls or barriers in your life with anybody, especially other believers. Frosty would paraphrase Psalm 118.24, which says this. This is the day that the Lord, this is the day the Lord has made. I will be glad and rejoice and be glad in it. Frosty's thing is you don't make it, you don't have a great day. You make it a great day. You know, the attitude that you take. And if you ever get an email from me, I sometimes send this out. Every day is a precious gift from God. Dot, dot, dot. Tear it open. Tear it open. Every day is a precious gift from God. You don't get another one. You don't get any do-overs. You don't get any makeovers. Every day is a precious gift from God. Tear it open. To the mothers, happy Mother's Day. So proud of you, worship team. Two things. One, if you're struggling with stuff where you have had either admitted or unadmitted kind of bias, and I'm not going to say just bias, and opinions about other people, and you kind of hold other people in disregard, and that's you and the Lord speaking to you this morning. You say, man, I kind of do that more than I want to. 
I don't want to do that anymore. It's time to let that go. Time to let that go. (laughs) And if you don't know Jesus, you don't know Jesus, this is the morning. This is the morning. Don't go out of here without knowing this Jesus that loves you so much. So every head bowed just for a second. You need to say, uh, yeah, Randy, I've got some stuff in my life. I, I have opinions about people and I, I'm not too proud of that and I know it's not of God. And I, I just want to stop that. So with God's help, you this morning, you got stuff that you just kind of hangs you up with thoughts and attitudes and you want to go away. Just raise your hand. Just say, yeah, that's me this morning. I got stuff. I'm not too proud of it. <laughs> yeah, hands all over the place. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah. that to me before. No one's ever told me about Jesus before. That's you this morning on this beautiful Mother's Day. And you say, look, I don't know this Jesus, but I want to, and I don't want to leave this building. 